Thank you for bringing these guys here, Lord, as we seek to hear your word. We seek to understand you with our hearts, Lord. And when we do, our only response can be to worship you, to declare you Lord and Savior to this world. Lord, we thank you that your spirit, your very presence, has been placed to live. I was thinking in John, it says that you, John 1, that you come to tabernacle with us, to make home with us. And because of what you've done on the cross, because of that sacrifice, that home is in us, is among us. So Lord, we just pray that your spirit, the spirit of Christ in us and among us, will speak to us today. As we close this just amazing Old Testament book that is like this shining light that focuses on you. Let's guide our conversation tonight, Lord. May we leave with a larger sense of who you are and more of a conviction to say we are going to follow closely Every step you take, we take. Um, Taffy is doing this operation tomorrow, Lord. We just pray for her. Um, a fully successful operation. Pray for Reuben and Darby as they're getting ready for this move, Lord. Um, and all those of us who continue to struggle living in this world, help us to not be of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Um, so, some of you probably, how many of you got my email and read it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, and then some people responded, like Tom, so I feel like a wimp now. So, <laughs> what? Can't, can't quite, you know, I'm teasing. What I think I he's say? teasing me. <laughs> what about, he's not scary. I know. I, I'm just, I'm not just being facetious. <laughs> well, he's a little He was scary. just like, come on, Greg, you can do all this. I'm like, well, now I can't. <laughs> so, really? That was your conclusion? Yeah. <laughs> See? So there you go. Anyway, um, so uh, the thing that I sent the email, just sort of let you guys know, is a little bit of a change of plans because as um, yeah. Jeff and I have had some discussions and stuff and around all the, the things that I'm going to be sort of be responsible for when Jeff and Patty are gone. Um, over these next three weeks, got a lot um, I've got a lot on my plate, and I want to be able to focus, and I, and, I, and I feel a little bit sometimes that I, especially with a starting a new book, I want to myself get myself in that <laughs> and have some time to do that with um, the Gospel of John. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're, well, whatever weeks it is, so after tonight, last week of Isaiah, we're going to um, not, we're going to take a break for the month of May, and come back starting June 7th, um, and start in the book of John on June 7th, um, which I'm actually super excited to do. Yes, student. Jason. Would you be open to us doing, um, in that period of time, having some meetings on Tuesday night, and... Having people 
present their findings on Isaiah? Whoever I would have wants to, think to come. About that. Yeah, let me think about that. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah. I, I mean, I see if you. I mean, just just right. to keep it. Yeah. Going. Well, it gives you guys a break too. So let me think about that. It's a um, it's a good question. Um, what I would like you guys to do, though, is um, I'm going to just once again invite you. I know I have one taker, which is Steve over there, <laughs> um, to really see if you can memorize some of Isaiah 53. Um, I know that's super hard, and it's something maybe you haven't done for a long, long time. I can't even memorize my address. Well, I can't either, and so I'm in that with you, because I'm having a really hard time trying to do it. Um, but I'm also, in doing it, finding out it's just a way to get the word in you that is amazing. I mean, I'm just seeing, even if you don't really fully have it memorized. So what I've been doing is I've been every day, um, and not to say I don't skip some days, but I'm just going through, and I just start in the morning, and I just started Isaiah 52, 13, and I just start writing, and I just try to get as far as I can, and just trying to get it. And it's, this is a hard, I will say, it is a tough passage to memorize, and part of the reason for that is because it repeats things, and it's hard to know which line goes with which next line. But as I'm doing it, I'm finding out it's like poetry. It's like what poetry is to do in our heart. I mean, poetry is different than narrative. And poetry gets in us. <laughs> you know, and it can change. And I think the word of God can change us. So I'm finding out as I'm really trying to wrestle with it and trying to really get it inside me, um, I'm finding, well, a couple things I'm finding. One is I'm seeing things I haven't seen before. But here's what I'm also finding out is God is giving me one opportunity after another, including with unbelievers, to have those words come up in my mind. Because, I mean, this is the essence of who Christ of what, who Christ is and what he did on the cross. So I'm also finding out that just like sort of God is sort of giving me opportunities to like go, huh. So even if you don't memorize the whole thing, the other thing I would say is maybe another option would be read through Isaiah, the servant song, for 52, 13 to 53, um, 12. Did I get that right? Yeah. And find a place in there that you do want to memorize. So maybe it's not the whole thing. Maybe just say, well, I just want to memorize um, the passage about, you know, all like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. Um, we all we have we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid iniquity on us all. I mean, you know, just you know, maybe find a couple one things that you do mem- want to memorize in it. It's sort of a thing that used to we used to do as Christians a long time ago is get the word in us. Um, so anyway, just as an invitation, I mean, that's one thing I love to see. I, my goal that I'm trying to throw out here again is I'm going to try to have it so. By the time we get back together again, I'll see if I can have the whole thing gone <laughs> in, inside of me. Um, and then I'm going to also get this for you guys. Okay, so I'm going to order these, which mm-hmm. is which is really, it's like what you have right now. It just looks a little bit more colorful, but it's just John. Okay, the Gospel of John. So we can go through and do this like we did before. Okay. Um, so, anyway, that's... That's it. I'm also hoping to take some time to really think through 
how do we, how can we use this time here to be a little bit, you know, richer? I mean, I think we're very rich right now. We go very deep, but also just trying to think about how can we do some things maybe a little bit different to add, be a little bit richer with that. We could have um, costumes and we could perform the gospel. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to, I'll have Jill do a lesson where he does that. That'd be great. So I'm going to be along with um, Phil's <laughs> when you have the, um, brought, your, brought your pottery in that time. Yeah, you know, so yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so what I'd like to do tonight is end our time of Isaiah by looking at just one particular theme. It's a theme that we've looked at a little bit before, but I'd like to look at it a little bit more detail because it's a theme that that really goes all across Isaiah, um, and I think also speaks really directly to our time today, as we have seen so many times. So I was trying to think about how to introduce this, and I was thinking, you know, I can get a little bit of my view here, my thoughts maybe, but there are so, I, I, I hear other people, and people will send me stuff, there's so many people on YouTube these days who are prophets, okay, in one form or the other. And I'm not going to judge right now, even, I mean, I could talk about, well, is that even valid <laughs> today? You know, that's an open discussion. But what I want you to think about is if you were to, whether it's all these different prophets that you see on YouTube, um, whether it's someone that you see live that claims to be a prophet, um, whether it's something you read about that. When you, think of, when you think of a prophet, and we think specifically of a prophet like what we see in the Old Testament, I'm wondering, how would you, what would you expect to hear from a prophet today? Let's just assume there will be prophets today. What would you expect to hear from a prophet consistently today in their message, that would tell you, yeah, there may be someone I should listen to. This maybe is a prophet that I do want to pay attention to. Um, does that question make sense? What would you be looking for? And you can think of it, you know, think about what we've done in Isaiah. But what would you be looking for for that prophet to be doing? And so by saying, let's say, what do you, what would, you, what would, you, what would be the content of what you think that prophecy or what they're being prophetic about? They would say, yeah, you know that, that that sounds valid based on what I know about prophets in the Old Testament. I, I think that if I if, if I did that, it would be so hard to believe anybody. So it would be I mean, what? It would be so hard to believe anybody because sure. I mean, that would, that would be, um, how, how do you distinguish, uh, I was what? part of a cult, and yeah. I, we had a prophet for, a, and it was BS completely, yeah. and changed my whole life, early life. Right. I mean, this is not what you want to hear. This not no, but I asking. mean, no, it actually no, is, because that's part of the issue I tend here. to agree with Gil. Yeah. The first thing I would think is that you, someone said, oh, I'm a prophet, you go, yeah, sure, buddy. 
You know, it's like I just don't get well, but that at all. Uh -huh. Someone saying that I'm a prophet, I mean, it's almost like you're bragging or being prideful mm -hmm. I'm a prophet. But, okay. but why? All right. Why do you? I suspect. Why do you not believe? Because just saying that. Well, let's not ask why do you not believe. So I don't want to ask that so much. I want to not. I'm not looking for right now. Should we? You know, do the, are they valid or do they believe? I'm looking for what again. What would you expect to be hearing that prophet to say today yeah. that would have you think, you yeah, that crazy. sounds like someone who's validly speaking about the things that a prophet would speak about according to what you see with prophets he, he in the be, Old Testament. That's he, my question. Something that so, doesn't benefit them in the least, because it okay. seems like anybody that Ooh, okay. espouses that they've got an inside track on God they've got something in their back pocket that they're trying to, you know, bolster. Okay. Yeah. We live yeah. in a very cynical generation, and uh, it'd be hard to, to, to believe anybody. Well, it's good you got your, very hard to believe loving anybody. Loving one another so, and not giving up hope, I mean, yeah. what more can they say? But you, you know? asked what we would what? be, what we would gravitate to. That's and exactly if right. Christians, we gravitate to someone who's steeped in scripture. So obviously, okay, so someone who's deep in scripture, so that's one well, that I would expect you guys to say. Quality of, there's been a lot of false yes. prophets that are steeped in scripture. Absolutely, but let's just say what Tom just said. The scripture better than anybody. But Tom just said with something that is valid, which I think that is a, a very good one because you, and you also have to sort of watch how are they using that scripture. <laughs> um, but so, Obviously, I've found in my long life that the false prophets do not use scripture. Okay, all right, interesting. Okay, all right. Were you going to say? Did you have ideas about the question I'm asking? Have the quality of humility. Okay, quality of humility. How can you know? Exactly. I'm. 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 Hold on. Being... Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I just want to let. I want to let Jason. Okay. Because Jason was trying to speak. I want to just let all you guys talk. Go ahead, Jason. Shut up, Jason. I'm, I want to talk. <laughs> Everything's already been prophesied. Bingo. Everything's already in there. If somebody said, hey, I'm a prophet, and this and that, and the other thing, the only thing that they could offer me that would make me think, oh, God's just sharing the gospel with you. Okay. And it, it's it's all teed up. Bingo. Uh -huh. I mean, detailed teed up. So that would, that would say again, like, why do we even need a prophet? Exactly. Right? That is precise. redundant. <laughs> so when okay. Samuel spoke right. about a young man named Saul, and the events would happen, it's all, we don't need a king. And then he's saying, the people want a king, or the Sanhedrin are saying to Saul, we want a king. And this young man's coming, and it's going to be the future king, it's going to be Saul. And then all the steps through Saul, leading to David. And everything that Samuel said, it's, he wasn't making errors. Mm -hmm. He was in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But everything he would just say is like, look, You've really screwed up here. You didn't need a king, and now you're going to have a king, and it's going to be this guy, Saul. And and then Saul would screw up, and the next event would happen, and it's, okay, it's going to switch now to another guy. He's going to be appointed. And so these events would kind of happen, and people would be, okay, they're just watching it unfold. So if for some reason we had somebody come in the door, and they, they said, two years from now on Christmas Eve, there's going to be like this huge earthquake on the whole west coast of the United States. 
we want all the Christians to move to Chicago <laughs> you, or something. Yeah, like right. that. You mean right. you mean kind of like there's going to be a virus in three years? Okay, well, yeah, but just hold on. Okay. Or so I, if there was some purpose, right. I don't know. it right. just keeps proving itself. Right. Okay, so so what you're bringing up now, and what you're conspiracy, what Jason you're bringing up is so one well, maybe not. So one aspect, one key thing. This is good. You guys are actually, you know, you're, 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 one key thing about prophets is that you're talking about is one role of prophets, huge role, is they are hearing God, and part of what they were doing back in the Old Testament was predicting, like you were saying, predicting what was going to happen, right? And in Deuteronomy it says, hey, if you're a prophet and you say this is going to happen and it doesn't happen, you're out of here, okay? You don't, you, only, you don't even get one chance. You're just like, if it's wrong, you're out, okay? You're not a prophet. So that's one definite, one role the prophet has. But I want you to think about Isaiah. What, uh, what other role does a prophet have that is a little bit more of a valid type of role you see in the New Testament? The New Testament does use the term prophet currently, but there's another role that prophets have, not just predicting what God's saying, but also something else. Proclaiming, proclaiming the truth. Rebuking. Proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Okay. Proclaiming the truth and what you just rebuking what's going on, right? Anybody else? I think that's of, a good one. Okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. right on. Okay, what are they rebuking? Sin. Okay. Pe- people's, be, a- people's choices and actions. All right. Okay. okay. There's so many actions that people have turned away from God completely and are just acting on their own, you know. All right. Would they rebuke false, false truths? False, okay. So one of the things you're rebuking is believing the wrong truths. Kind of like the, the time of the judges where everyone did whatever they thought was right with yep. themselves. Yeah, okay. What else? Anybody else think of what, it, what are the types of things they're rebuking or correcting? What are they doing then in Isaiah? What are the things that they're rebuking and correcting in Isaiah? The direction that the uh, that, that the, the Jews were going. Okay. And that the people, that the culture, that the nation, that the world. So who? Okay. So not understanding not prophets. Seeing. Yeah. So prophetically, who are the prophets speaking to? Yes, that. Well, in Isaiah's case, he's speaking to to, to the nation. To every, he's telling everybody. So, well, is he telling Stay everybody? Up. Who's he telling? Did you, Israel. Israel. But at the same time, he's also, through that prophecy, speaking to all the nations. There's, there's points right. where he's speaking sure. to one person, the nation of Israel, and to all the world. Right. But who's the prophecy directed to? Israel. Depends. Those that seek the Lord. Those Those that seek the the Lord. Yeah, Yeah. the ones that are going to read it. What does it say? Can you read that? Chapter 51, I just have to turn to it. Hearken unto me, here is Isaiah speaking. Uh Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Very good. Okay. All right. right. Yeah, if you never read this, then they're not speaking to you. Yeah. Do you guys have a lot? Yeah, go ahead. Ask a question. It's a little, kind of on topic, a little off topic. When he says the Lord will go before you, but the God of Israel will be your rear guard. When he says the Lord will go before you, what was the other part? 
and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. He's mm. like splitting the Lord in two. I don't know. <laughs> well, that all about? Uh, I wouldn't know that right off the top of my head without looking at it. So um, he says but, in 52, 12, <clears throat> for you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't know without looking at it a little bit more, but without a doubt, that whole idea of the Lord going before you, that was a, that concept started when um, with Israel had the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was always a thing that went before them, okay? okay? And so it's literally, the, as we would, we would sort of say it today, the Lord is with you, all right? Um, I think probably even rear guard would be he was in back protecting you, There's certainly no limit to what God can do in front of you or behind you. Yeah, yeah. I I just really think it means he's, he is, ultimately, he's with you, watching over you, protecting you. In front of you and behind you. Exactly. Around you. All around you. Right. Try to get away. Right, right, right. You can, yeah, you can walk forward without fear of what's to come and not feel like you have to have eyes behind your head. Yeah. It's just odd that he defined it in two different Yeah, it would have been clearer if the line was, and the God of Israel will also be your rear guard, right? Well, what it's also doing is... It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that, but that would have been... But how does it say it? It says, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) It was also leading into something that's that's prophetic about Christ. So the Lord will go before you, and that's like, like, will go before you... Right. Like, Christ will is go. Is he bef- defining Jesus Christ? I mean, is that, that what he is that's what mentioning? That's what it sounds like. But then again, he's also kind of separating Israel from everybody else, saying the God of Israel. Well, right. Well, but because, because who's Israel? Well, and back then it's his it chosen people at that yeah. point in time in history. Right. I well, mean, today it's all those who but, believe in him. Yes. Come on. <laughs> Eternal time frame. Well, I'm not thinking eternal because God works in history. Yeah. So, so God I, works both. Well, at well, the same time. But well, I just say then. when you're looking at Scripture, yeah, obviously God is over all time. Okay, but He works. If you look in Scripture, He's always working in His people in time. Right. Okay. So without a doubt, He's over all of time and knows everything before time, end time, all that stuff. But he's always working, like he's working right now in this present time. He was working back then in their present time. But that's all they um, had. That's all their, that's their boundaries. That's all that was defined right, by them. So right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I want us to look at, um, in fact, yeah, this one I want to, again. Okay. I want us to look, why don't you guys turn, before we go to Isaiah, I want you to look at, um, Amos? Can I ask you a question? You can. In relation to what you asked. Yes. Do you think there are prophets in these days? You want me to answer that on a personal level? What do I believe? Well, that's kind of the basis of your question that you asked us a few minutes ago. Why yeah. should we bother about your question unless yeah. there are prophets or not in our own age? So what do um, you think? I, my, again, well, I would take not the position of our church. I'm going to tell you my belief about that. Okay, is I really question, so I do not believe that there are prophets um, that predict what's going to happen ever in the future. And I say that based on a couple things. One is primarily Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. 
in the past, God worked through his fathers. He worked through, how does it say, the, the, something in the prophets. <laughs> he worked through the prophets. Okay. But in today, he now works through Jesus Christ. Okay. So I think that there's, I think when you look at that, when you look at the fact that in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, when you, a prophet is someone who predicts what's going to happen, I believe we have, and you said it, I believe we have everything we, have we need everything right, we here, need right here. Yeah, everything so. we need to be able to do that. Now, that's why I'm going to ask you two, two issues of prophets. Because the other role of a prophet, um, which you guys could take. So one of the things you can do is any of you can even at a certain time become prophetic in the sense that you are, you said it, correcting. You are declaring something or showing something, or pointing out something. And when you look at the New Testament, the word prophet, to me, that I understand to mean, is really one who actually, is someone who actually encourages using the word of God and corrects. Proclaims okay. it also. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Proclaim, that's probably even better. Proclaims the word, and will use the word to encourage and correct. That's so... When you do that, whether you're doing it personally from one person to another, or whether you're, someone's doing it from the pulpit, um, I always have a problem, someone said about humility, I always have a problem when someone declares himself a prophet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, that's very problematic. So I, I don't, I know it's like Steve Dixon and I, we've had that discussion, I think he sees little things a little differently, but, which is fine. Um, but I know a lot of people do believe that there's prophets, and there's a whole lot right now that I get little things from different people, Christians, who send me these little YouTubes of people who claim to be prophets. Um, and one of the things I want to look at today is Isaiah, and that's why I, want, that's why I asked that question in part, is because Isaiah is doing something throughout the entire book. And if I realize, I'm thinking wow, I don't think I've ever heard a prophet, in quotes, <laughs> uh, ever talk like this, or talk on this subject that we're going to look at, which is something that occurs throughout Isaiah, okay? That they somehow avoid this one key thing that Isaiah is saying over and over and over again. And Isaiah is not the only one. The prophets of the Old Testament have a message that is repeated over and over and over again. I will look at that today. Some of you will just see when we look. You actually, he said one of the words for it, so we'll just take a look. Okay? Yes. Um, regarding prophets in our day, um, can I read one scripture? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of guys here will recognize it. It's from Joel. And it, come, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Mm -hmm. So, in the last days, which may, we may not be in yet. Oh, well, I think scripturally we are probably called to be in the last, we're in the last days, yeah. This, this is saying that there will be prophets. Well, this is a prophesy. Yeah, see, yeah, exactly. Very good. Very good, Jason. So, so that's if you right. prophesy, you're not a prophet? 
Right. That. Correct. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I, and that's why I say most of YouTube have to check out of that conversation <laughs> no. now. But I think no, I think I think that's a, probably true. That's what I was saying. Any of you, God could use you to prophesize. That prophesizing is we mostly think of prophets as someone who's predicting the future. That's not one of the primary roles of prophets in Scripture, even the Old Testament. It is more to declare something to God's people to say you need. You, you, you need to correct <laughs> the path that you're on, you know. Um, so that's one of the major things that prophets do is they're saying, you guys are going like this, and you need to correct your course. Um, so yeah, in that case, I would say prophesize is not a, that's, again, some people have different views of that. Yeah, well, this I, is semantics. You're it, saying someone who prophesies is not a prophet. <laughs> No, and, no, I'm, and, and, you well, know, you have to throw up your hands at that point. Actually, right? I'm not saying someone who prophesies is not a prophet. I'm just saying you can prophesize without being, quote unquote, a prophet. At that moment, are sure. you not a prophet? Sure. Well, at the moment, okay. And well, then when you walk out of the room, they go, "Well, he's no longer a prophet. He's not prophesying." Anymore. Well, so I guess technically, from what you're it's saying, semantics. you say I'm. Yeah, it is semantics. Read it again, please. Yeah. It's Joel, which is yeah. And that is fulfilled. I think that's declared. And it shall come to pass afterward or in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means the Holy Spirit is coming down in big right. amounts. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Okay. Yeah. The Bible also warns about a lot of pro false prophets. Right. Well, they stone <laughs> wait, wait, false your sons prophets. and daughters yeah. are prophesying. And I think it's going to be both. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Yeah. Okay. And just so we're clear, that scripture what is something that is is fulfilled through the coming of the Holy Spirit that, that um, yeah. Tom's bringing up. It's in Acts two. Acts two. Um, I think that I think that's is it Peter? Yes, it's Peter in Acts two who says what's happening in Acts two with the coming of the Spirit. Yeah, he refers to this. Yeah, passage. is that passage, and he says that this is now happening. The fulfillment of Joel. Okay. And so, anyway, we'll continue on, but it's a discussion. Just, again, different people have different views of prophets. My, what I want to look at is what do prophets declare? They would have you even think, like, huh, maybe I should listen to that person. That's, and I just want to look at one aspect of that tonight. Okay, as we, as we close Isaiah. So, I want you to turn to Amos. Amos you guys got, yeah, Amos... Five. All right. So Amos five twenty one through twenty five. All right. So I just want to take a look at this one first. So it says, and Amos is obviously a prophet. So Amos five twenty one through twenty four. All right. So here's the prophet Amos speaking. I hate. I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I would not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So 
Sounds like Hosea. Yeah, exactly. Speaking Almost of Hosea, great. we're going to go to Hosea in a minute. So I want you guys now to turn to Micah. So just hear that. And now turn to Micah 6. So once you hear some of these other prophets talk this way. So Micah 6, 6 through 8. So it says, um, Micah 6, yeah, Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of oil, rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But, there's a but again, <laughs> but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Okay? So then turn to Hosea 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy. <laughs> I love that. With the inhabitants of the land. In other words, he's got a problem. <laughs> okay. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So, what is, what's the, um, what are you hearing in just those? He's stating what is. And what is, what is, what is? <laughs> That's a question mark. So what is? Well, their state of, of moral degeneration. Okay. But, I mean, he's stating what they don't see themselves, obviously. Yeah, okay, oh good, okay, all right. And what, because of the way they is or are, what, what's, what is, what's, how's God relating with them? Or what's not happening? Turning their back on them. And how do you see these turning their back on them? It doesn't even, I don't know, appreciate any of the, they're supposed to, the sacrifices or whatever they're doing, they, they, the people turn their hearts away from God. They okay. have a heart for God. All right. And consequently, I think God, after a while, he just gets tired and goes, okay, go your own way. And, yeah. Do you think, and if it gets bad enough, he'll do a judgment of some sort. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you think swearing here means like I do every day or uh, offering uh, allegiance to swearing your fealty to another god. Yeah, I would say, well, otherwise, again, I'm, I mean, I'm my, I'm, generally a swearing um, as, as is used in scripture as a sin is when you are using the Lord's name somehow in vain, okay? Um, and you're, you know, intentionally doing that. Um, that you're somehow, whether it's you're declaring some other gods or whether you're 
taking the name of the Lord in vain. Um, Just hang around a golf course, you'll hear it. Yeah, yeah. so, alright. I want you guys to turn to Isaiah now. If you got your these, these things, I want you to turn to Isaiah 1. So the very beginning of Isaiah 1. Alright, so one, um, I'll, I'll start at 10. So this is the opening again of Isaiah. We, we've gone through this before, but I want to sort of um, continue on with it. So Isaiah 1, 10, starting at 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teachings of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of fat of the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. So you hear a consistent sort of language here mm -hmm. from the different prophets. Mm -hmm. You guys hear that song? Mm -hmm. Yes. So why is he say, what is he saying he's not accepting anymore? The gifts that God, that the people bring to God. Very good. He's not accepting sacrifice. Sacrifice. He's not accepting the things that people would normally bring to him, including <laughs> not just sacrifices, but what else? The, the point of feast days. Feast days, so all the things. In fact, feasts were a big, huge thing. I mean, you got to remember, feasts in the Old Testament were the ways in which God appointed those feasts. I mean, they are commanded as a way to remember the different things that God has done. Hmm. All right? And they offer sacrifices during those feasts. Okay? Yeah. <clears throat> what the key in all that is, is I cannot endure inequity in solemn assembly. So, mm -hmm. why, why was sacrifice? Why sacrifice to begin was to create an opportunity to rejoin their relationship. Exactly what it was. And Correct. when this is just like consumer Christianity. Hey, I show up, I call myself a Christian, everything's cool, right? Wrong. So this is what he's saying. Hey, just because you show up and cut the things, throw it, and uh, bleed the blood and all that stuff, your, your heart isn't with me. You don't know why you're doing that. You're just paying the, the, the monetary price. Okay, all right. So I want you to listen as this continues down in verse 15. So he's not accepting their sacrifices. He doesn't want them to do their feasts. And then he says in verse 15, When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. So he's not also listening to what? Their prayers. Their prayers. That's what, that, that's, you know, when I sin and, and, I know, and I know it, that's what frightens me most because my that's prayer good. life... It, it just, 
That means you're God-fearing. It frightens me that he would not hear me, that I would be bereft. Okay. So, I think the important question to ask is, why yeah. isn't he right. listening to the prayer? Okay, because, yeah, very good. Because... It's not mysterious. These prophets have, these prophets throughout the Old Testament the are saying the same thing. It's the heart. But they're saying this for a reason. And the reason is not, I'll be blunt, the reason is not consumer Christianity. The reason is not what you're talking about, Gil. The reason is something else. Okay? As to why you hear them say this over and over again. Okay? And Isaiah will say this over and over again. Is it because they're still stuck in the old ways? Nope. Is it people turn away from God? Okay, you say people turn away from God. Yeah. Have anything to do with doing their rituals, but not but their hearts are from Him in a hypocritical way? Nope. No. Not to say that that's not wrong. I'm just saying that's not what it is. When God uses the terms righteousness and justice, specifically as we see when He uses them together, He pretty much always is talking about one thing. The people of God are not doing. Obedience? Hmm? Obedience? Well, yeah, obedience, but what kind of obedience? Willing obedience. It's the first commandment, one God. You honor, you look to God first, mm-hmm. like the heart of David. Uh-huh. The heart of David was with God. Saul lost it early on and started to do his own thing. Alright, so it's always cover- well, it's, is, as it's the guys of. Rebelled against him? What? Because they rebelled against him? Well, yes. Um, no, that's not, the, that's not what we're talking about here. What's your question? Spit it out. Well, I'm <laughs> spitting it out because I'm waiting to see whether you guys do what all of you know so well to do, which is we have the Word of God, yeah. and when we have a question, we start reading, and we just keep reading. <laughs> it's, 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 you, you, it's very simple. I want you to look at 16, okay? Yeah. Because I'm going to keep reading. He now tells us why, which is the same reason the other prophets are saying this. In verse 16, he says, wash yourselves, make yourselves, well, yeah, let's go back to, sorry, I will not listen, let's go back to the verse right before that. Your hands are full of blood. Okay, that term means you are doing what? What do you think? You're, you're, you're sinning. Well, you, no, you're not just you're sinning. You're murdering, you're killing, you're, you're you're right. you're full of blood. And okay, so, you just said it. You and just so, said it. You're murdering and you're killing. But right. when he's speaking of sacrifice, mm-hmm. okay, so it is consumer Christianity, okay? <laughs> well, it's exactly what it is. Your hands are full of blood, not full of life. When you cut that animal's throat, it's not life that you're, that you're sharing with me. It's simply blood at that point. I, I think probably okay. you're... you're Disputing over a term, which um, I'm just—it's a—it's an yeah. analogy. Well, so let's to, just. To so I want to keep going because otherwise we're going to just take too long. So I want. Oh, we're going to just get stuck there. I want us to, to keep listening. Listen to why. Okay. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice, 
correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. That section from 16 to 17 goes from more general to more specific, very quickly. It is saying, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. How do I make yourself clean? I remove the evil. What is the evil that I'm to cease to do? Well, I need to do something that's good. What am I supposed to do that's good? I'm supposed to seek justice. What is justice? Justice happens when I correct oppression. What is the oppression? The oppression are of God's people and other people. It is when you are not bringing justice to the fatherless and when you need to plead the widow's cause. Okay, so when she turned to Zechariah, all right, so Zechariah chapter 7, just to get a little bit more fuller understanding of this. Zechariah. Zechariah 7. Yeah, Zechariah 7. It sort of fills out a little bit some of that. Okay, are you guys there? Zechariah 7, uh, starting in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, another prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. There's that word judgment again. Mm -hmm. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. So what is God, what are the prophets declaring what is the problem? What are the people doing? Oppressing people who are helpless? That's right. That's exactly right. Can, what I, read, God, hmm? can I read something yes. to support you from mm-hmm. Matthew? Yeah. Matthew 23, 14. Jesus speaking, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, make long prayer. Therefore, you shall receive the greater damnation. The widows are the helpless, just like yourself. That's right. The widows are the ones, the widows, the fatherless, really refers to this whole group of people who, as, as God's people, I'm going to say God's people, or he's signed to God's people, as God's people are not humble and are not taking care of those people. They're puffing themselves up, they're earning more money, they're doing all this different stuff, and what ends up happening is they are taking care of themselves, but they're not taking care of those who are the least of them. That's what Jesus keeps talking about, right? Those who are oppressed, those who are somehow um, Jail, those, I mean, anyone who has no ability, who is losing their own ability to live the life that God wants them to live, because somehow something is stopping them from doing that. And you see here, God, what he cares about is not just our heart. (laughs) He cares about whether our heart is turning into the actions that actually help 
to take those who are oppressed and bring them out of that. Yeah, he goes on to say in Zechariah 7, he says, but they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they may not hear, and they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophet. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. Yeah. It's so easy to let your heart become hardened. Right. But what, what he's concerned about, and we do, we internalize this a lot as Christians. We think of our heart all very good. But what the judgments of the prophets are is around how are you treating those who are oppressed in your society. Now the problem is, I'll say very bluntly here again, we have, there's a term that we use for that today that's actually, sadly, it's almost like the word love has become so bastardized in our society, right? It's just as stripped of all of its meaning, all right? Hey, you talk about consumer Christianity, I mean, love. I mean, just just look at how the word love is used, right? But, see ya. Take care. But, love you guys. You too. So, we, so we have a term that particularly among, I will say, us evangelical Christians, and I'll use that term, of us Christians in the sect that we're in, this term has become also a very negative term because it's become associated with politics. And that term is social justice. All right? I mean, just when I say that, probably some of you might go, social justice, okay, that's a, you know, there's a lot of things you might come up and say about it, right? Um, the problem is, is that social justice is defined by, really from the scripture perspective, not from the worldly perspective. Social justice from the worldly perspective is, let's go to try to help all these people in need and stuff, but there's no God in it. Social justice from the biblical perspective is exactly what we're reading here. That as, that as people called by God, we are called to be making sure that the least of them are being taken care of. And that can be this huge range depending on where you are in society. I mean, it can be, it, I mean, today it can be not, it might not just be the homeless person. It might be someone else who's struggling with mental illness. It might be, I mean, there's a whole range of people who are somehow oppressed. And what are we doing to bring them out of that oppression? And we're going to find out in John. We're going to find out, I mean, Jesus just takes this message and just continues it through. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm so glad you explained that because I've often, the, the um, term justice for me, has been one that's been hard to define um, or hard to understand exactly. Uh -huh. um, probably because I confuse it with um, the law. <clears throat> but anyway. Yeah. Thanks. That, that... Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to be really specific here. Scripture is really specific about this. <laughs> and we just tend to sort of read over it, including me. I gotta say, before we start our, our position, I mean, our whole study in Isaiah, it just keeps like coming at, going, wow, I don't think I've really seen this either. That specifically what the people are being judged for, okay, and the iniquities and sin they're being judged for, and why God isn't listening to them, is because they are oppressing their own people. They're not taking care of their own people. 
they're not taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. But they were pretending to. The Pharisees. Oh, were. they were. Oh, yeah. Oh, which, absolutely. Which gets into the social gospel thing because a lot of that's pretense. Right. Yeah. It's not sincere. They're aggrandizing like, themselves. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and so many charities, the administration fees that go to the management take 20, 30, 50 percent. Yeah. Which is why you have the turning of the table. Franklin the Graham has two jets. <laughs> yeah. Well, well he, he, he needs one so that he can have get there faster. We've got to get fuel up and wash. So, um, but I want to go back to this heart question. Uh huh. It's, I don't believe that's an easy dismissal about the heart because. I'm not dismissing the heart, am I? No, well, kind of. No, I'm not. <clears throat> you, a little, I think he's on the heart uh, side. You're on, no, you're on the heart side, but you're, the, the question is is God concerned with your heart in this situation right here? And the issue is in order. To do these things. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh-huh. And then you're going to get to... There's, there's, there's two things. Uh-huh. If you are willing and obedient. Okay? Those yeah. two things. Now, if your heart isn't meeting God with the correct posture, you will not be willing. And therefore, you will not be obedient. Uh-huh. Okay. okay? So simply being obedient without being willing... Again, is a condition of the heart, which then sets up everything else. Right. Right. You simply can't do these things. So this is this is where it's like we have to that, that definition. What are we talking about about the heart? What does that mean? Right. Well, right. And I think I mean so on one hand, so I'm, on one hand you're absolutely right. In fact, in um, Jeremiah, which is also what comes true in, in the Old uh, New Testament, why did Jesus come? Because our hearts are in sin. They're in iniquity. They're, they're um, what's the word, wretched. I mean, they're, we, we can't do anything about it. Why did Jesus come ultimately? Well, so the law that he that we were given in the Old Testament, what was the problem? Not the law. The problem was it was all external. And it wasn't in our hearts. And what does it say? That with Christ, the new covenant is a covenant that happens in your heart. Why? Why? Because what happens in your heart had better, and the evidence of your heart, if I want to know what's going on inside your heart, it's not by you just telling me how you feel in your heart. It's about, what I'm trying to get at is what it's showing here is, I'm going to know what's in your heart. Because Jason, you're sitting out there, okay, at whatever period of time, helping the homeless do something. Or you are doing something to help to take care of those who are oppressed and, and we have a mindset where we're like, what can we do for the least of these? When you see people walking in from church here, okay, we just had this last Sunday, we had a um, homeless, yeah, you, okay, we had a homeless girl come in, all right, and woman, all right, and it was, you know, somewhat obvious that she was and stuff. The question is, she was a little disruptive, all right, what do we do with someone like there's someone who really the same needs thing. help, and I'm not just. Ta- and I guess what I'm trying to get is, well, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about in all of the ways. How are we? We know God's changed our heart when we are seeking to take care of the least of these. And this is what Isaiah is going to say over and over and over and over again. The prophets are going to say it over and over and over again. Jesus is going to say this over and over again. The issue is. 
I want your heart changed so you not only will have eternal life, but that you will do something to help others have that life today by bringing them out of that oppression. Does that make and sense? You know, I, thought it, I thought it was really sweet the way that Jeff dealt yeah. with her. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly how Jesus wants us to deal with her because you can tell she had a heart for God. Right. She was sitting in the front row. She was taking it all in. Yep. And she yep. was pouring it all out. And I thought, you know, yeah, so what? She, she was a little boisterous, but, you know, you could tell that she had a I, thought, I felt like we were finally a real church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good. We got, we, every church has that one Bingo. person. Hallelujah. I'm like, yeah, the guy had that. I'm like, Bingo. cool, we finally got one. And yeah. that's, and that's, I guess what I'm getting at. That's sweet. Actually, that's, yeah, and that's an example, that's an example of us as a church doing that on Sunday. It was sweet. What I'm saying is every one of us here, including me, because <laughs> it convicts me, what are we doing really actively in our lives? To really help those who are, who are in that yeah top oppression yeah. Then was Jeff maybe at a particular point I don't know or even when I served elsewhere um, prophesying. Well, I'm not no I'm not saying that that's either. Tie it no, up, I guess what I would say is what he's doing is. Out of the abundance of the heart. Well, yeah, which is what, what he's yeah. saying. But what that evidence is, is that what is what I'm saying is the prophets, what is God constantly saying to his people? Okay, yeah. Take care of these people. Then I will listen to your prayers. Then you can come to church and I'll hear you. <laughs> okay? But if I walk into church and there's someone who came... You know, who I'm not helping, who I know I should be helping, and I, you know, hey, I don't have enough time. I, you know, I don't want to use my it's money with cool, that, whatever blah, it is. Blah, blah, yeah. All right. If I come into the church and say, "Look, I'm a Christian. I'm coming to the church on Sunday." All right. God's going to say, uh, "Hello, I don't hear you." <laughs> I mean, God really cares about His people, Absolutely. and He cares about those can't care for themselves. I would expect everyone in this room can pretty much care for yourself. You know. You so it's like, what are we doing to care for those who can't care for themselves? Can I break it down yeah. just yeah. real quickly, just the human side of this? So I'm sitting, you know, at the piano, and she walks in, and she sits right, you know, in front of me. She, she has, literally sits right yeah. next to you, right? And she reaches in her purse, and you know she's probably got nothing in there, and she grabs some packaged food of some sort that's still in the wrapper. And before she even takes it for herself, she literally looks at me and she says, would you like this? You know, and my heart just melted. Oh, I was wow. just like, oh. oh. You could clearly tell that, you yeah. know, she had other challenges going on, but you could tell that her heart was pure and that she was in the spirit. Right. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just thought it was really sweet. Well, and you know, what I, what I, <laughs> sorry guys. What, what I would say too is that, and just, I mean, this is just an example, so I'm not trying to, I mean, it was on, from Sunday, but um, what I say too is that if you look at, listen to Jeff's sermon, what was fascinating, I mean, I give, I'm just like, wow, Jeff. I yeah. mean, he, very you know, I think one response could be, I'm ignoring what she's saying because he's speak, he's preaching 
and he was preaching. It was a good sermon. Yeah, it was a great sermon. He's preaching, and she's responding to right. his sermon. Right. She's hearing God's right. word. She's listening. And yeah. she's responding louder than most of us would. Yeah. But I got to tell you, coming from a church where it was predominantly black, the whole congregation would be doing something That's like that. Awesome. Okay. That's awesome. But, but she's doing that in our church where we tend to be more quiet. Yeah. And what does Jeff do? He actually sort of talks to her. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was very kind it during his sermon. It was it was, yeah. it was. it was so yeah. it lovely. It was so sweet. Yeah. It was touching. So anyway, I guess I'm just saying, this is the type of stuff for all of us, though, that Isaiah saying, you, we can all think we're all being Christian, and we can be, do, you know, thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I've got my heart, and I'm working on my own sins, and I'm doing all this type of stuff. But what God's really looking for saying, show me the evidence, and the evidence is... Is not just what you do to all the people you know, but the evidence is, are you helping those who are oppressed in some form or not in our society? <laughs> you know? What did you say? Hey, Daniel's fine. I, I wanted to say that when I came in, um, she would, I, I, was, I would normally kind of go, but I, I saw she was sitting where I normally sat, and I saw I went. Oh, yes, she was. Okay. Yeah. And so I went and sat next to her, and it was quite an experience to see how her mind worked and the interaction between her and Jeff and how much she appreciated it. So she offered me one of her cookies, and I I said, oh, no, thanks. And she said, why? You don't want to take a cookie from a homeless person? Oh, <laughs> she said that? <laughs> she said that. Oops. <laughs> no, I took a cookie, but believe me. <laughs> That's how she identifies with herself. Yeah, that's how she A minute ago I gave an example of how Jesus deals with what we're talking about, or dealt with it. The hypocrites, mm -hmm. the whitewashed tombs and all that. Yeah. But there's two other examples, and uh -huh. uh, I'm sure there's many more than that. But can I read some from yeah. Matthew? Yeah, no, do. Good. Yeah, so um, I'll read quick. It's like... Ten verses. Okay. If you want to follow Matthew twenty-five, uh, thirty-one, and this is amazing because it shows how important the judgment is. Because this is hardball. When the Son of Man shall come into His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. So this is it. You know, this is it. And before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, the good guys, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, and you gave me meat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink, I was a stranger, and you took me in. Isn't this great? Yeah. Well, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So like this, you're saying, this is all personal stuff. This is one person helping another person in need. Then shall the righteous, the good guys, are saying, Lord, when do we, when did we see you in hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we uh, see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe thee? Or when we saw you sick or in prison and came to thee? Like, we don't, we don't remember doing any of this for you, Lord. And the king shall answer and say, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. So all these needy people. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, these are the hypocrites, 
depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So this, God is dividing judgment on the basis of uh, how they treated individual it, people. It's not just it. like he's recommending he it. Just, he's, he's saying you don't get into heaven right. unless you do this. And he's talking to those who worship God, who believe in God, who we today would consider all of us as Christians. Yeah, go to, go ahead, Tom. Well, then he's going, he deals with those guys, and then near the end, verse 45, he says, Then shall he answer these hypocrites, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you didn't help anybody, you did not do it to me. You didn't help them, you didn't help me. Right. Right. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. What, what book is that? I'm sorry. Matthew yeah. 25. Thank yeah. you. I mean, this is why, again, so this is why I want you guys to... When you guys are reading scripture and you hear the word justice and you hear the word righteousness, particularly when you hear those used together, they pretty much always mean that God's talking about some form of justice and righteousness for the oppressed, for those who need to be helped, the the ones that he just read about. So that God bringing his justice and wanting to bring his justice here to earth when he's saying that, he's talking about taking those who are, I keep saying oppressed, in some form or the other, or poor, or fatherless, or widows, or how, however that is. Um, the mentally disturbed and the emotionally disturbed. It, it, those are right. the hardest ones. And too. I think today in our society, that can be, we need to think outside the box. <laughs> that can be people that are like mental illness of some form. That can be people, and I'll be blunt, people struggling, as we all know, with things like their sexuality, okay? And they're just like, don't, they're teenagers. I mean, you're, he's dealing with, you know, our youth. He's pastor of our youth now. You know, you've got kids that are so mixed up with the world and so much what, you know, all this junk, as all you guys know, I know you repeat it, that's going on. They're, just think of what they're going through. They need someone to come alongside them and be with them and love them, and take care of them, (laughs) and lift them up. And this is what the church has been judged by with God over and over again. It has been, you're not taking care of them. Why? I think I said last week, why did we have the Reformation? Why why do we exist today as an evangelical church? Because Martin Luther saw the oppression of the people, and he did something about it. You know? He did exactly what, (laughs) what Tom just said there. So, Scripture, I'll just read Isaiah um, 59. You guys want to look at 59? Just a couple other ones really quick. Now I want to look at one, end with one in particular. But if you look at um, Isaiah 59, it says in verse 3, listen to how it's talking about our whole, like, selves doing this. It says, for your hands are defiled with blood, which again means murder, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters the sweet justly, no one goes to law honestly, they rely on their empty pleas, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. All this stuff about the tongue and the lips and all of that is, again, all some form of oppressing others. So it's not just us helping so here's the thing. It's not just about us 
helping those who are oppressed. It's also about what are we doing to stop oppression from happening. So that's the other form of this. Is what? How are we contributing to that? How are we contributing to not just saying, oh, I'm not helping this person, but am I doing something where I'm contributing to oppressing others in some form? Um, that's the other thing for us to look at. <laughs> you know, what are we doing to somehow contribute to the oppression of others? Um, and look, look at verse 9, that it says, Therefore justice, and this is what God's saying, Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. And then in verse 15, I love this, it says, The Lord saw this. He sees when we oppress others. And it says it displeased him, is the ESV translation, and there was no justice. But that, what that actually literally says in Hebrew, is it says, the Lord saw it, and this was evil in his eyes. When we as Christians oppress others in some form, or take away justice, or don't do righteousness, God looks at that as evil <laughs> in his eyes. Does that make sense? Yeah. AB 2223. Four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, yeah. What are you talking about? He's, I think he's having a lot. We need to, there's a bill that we need to contact our assemblyman or woman, whoever it is, I'm not sure, uh, and say, do not invite in any way, shape, or form pass this thing or allow it to pass. It is the, the, the bill that is, is passed the first stage in the state that will make it legal for uh, human beings to kill a child 28 days after birth yeah. with no investigation, no justification, no nothing. You could just kill a child. Mm -hmm. And if that is straight up, there's absolutely nothing behind, there's no logic that you can justify that ex unless you were a satanic worshiper. Well, we need to use him. And yeah. what is what is in the Bible? I've looked this up. All the references speak to devour, consume, right, from the enemy. And of course, that's an illusion because they can't get anything from it anyway. But if you believe that, you're going to kill babies and do horrid things. So that's something. What you just read. We don't do action against things like that. Then we will be condemned. Correct. And I would also say that's also where, again, we need to think outside the box. Like I was involved in something up in the Bay Area where what am I doing not only to stop abortions from taking place, what am I doing to make sure that, that, that those women who do find out they're pregnant, that I'm giving them something to give them hope to say, hey, we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of your kid. We're going to help you do whatever. We're going to give you whatever you need. That's right. What are we doing to stop the oppression? So a lot of times, why I'm just you know, why do a lot of times you see a lot of the pregnancies among poor people? Because they're poor. <laughs> okay? And so what are we doing to help in that situation? I mean, there's just so much. Okay? But again, it's like, where's our focus? Where are we doing things that are helping that to happen? So Isaiah 61. This is the mission that our Lord read. I mean, when Jesus started his ministry in Luke, 
he stood up in the synagogue, <laughs> and he literally took the scrolls and he opened it up, and it was like, okay, I'm not going to tell you guys why the frick I'm here. <laughs> why have I come? Okay? And he gets up and stands up, and what does he read? It must be Isaiah 61. That's right. Very good, Joe. Excellent. Excellent. He reads Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord, and just listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to bind up the who? Brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the who? <laughs> the captives. Sorry, could you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> you better do it. <laughs> Thank you, Zuri. <laughs> that was funny. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, she said, uh, you said sorry, and she thought you said Zuri. I guess so. Um, you better read that again. I know. <laughs> Why is that on? I have no idea. My watch just started listening to Siri for some reason. Even says I'm exercising right now. I don't know why it says that, but okay. Um, so to proclaim liberty to the captains, you see there's actions that are being happened. Who is it? The poor, the brokenhearted, the ones who are captive, the opening of the prisoner to those who are bound, to comfort those who are mourning, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful... And then it says... What are we trying to do? We're trying to restore them back to full health. Okay, restore them back to their full humanity. So it's like, is there any way in which you see someone who's unable to really live how God created them to live? That's oppression. And how are we restoring that? So, I mean, this is the mission of our Lord, you know, of Christ, that he keeps saying. Um, so, again, it's just sort of over and over again, thinking, trying to think outside the box, how do we do this? I mean, it's sort of waking me up going, wow. But not just how do I help those in need, but how do I make sure I'm not part of doing something to harm them, to harm them or create that oppression? Yeah, Daniel. If you continue reading Isaiah 61, I find it very interesting. At the very end, at the end of verse 4, he says, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And if you think about homeless or people that have gone astray from the Lord, yeah, it's not that one generation that got them there. It's their parents. It's their parents' parents. It's their parents' parents' parents. <laughs> right, right. You know, for for generations. I mean, yeah. You know, okay. Here's the weird thing about that. About half the homeless people that I encounter mm -hmm. are way more together than all the other people I look at on the street. Yeah, that are, are some like that. Right. Seriously. Right. Well, they are right. They are astute mm -hmm. in the word. You have to be. And they have chosen that life right. because they get it. They're like, this is the BS. Okay. And I'm, so maybe some I'm of those, and maybe some of those are not the ones you would call. Oppressed in this case, they're choosing that life. Totally, right? they're more free. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, is that right. where you get all your wisdom? That's <laughs> <laughs> part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're they're the, the bandages in south. That yeah. We so verse eight of that same Isaiah sixty one we're talking about, God just says it right off. He went like, "What does God love? 
He literally says it directly, for I, the Lord, love justice. And that's what he means by justice. He means what we just read in Isaiah, what we just read that Jesus says is his, his mission, is to do that. So, you guys remember this? My pretty? <laughs> All right. What was what, what have been what have we been using this as an illustration? Tell Tom he hasn't been here. I don't think when we did this. I didn't know either. What have we been using this as an illustration for with Isaiah? Besides the Wizard of Oz. So what? Yeah. <laughs> Who remembers? What is this? What's this hourglass representing? What have we said? Approximately fifteen minutes. Sands of time running out. No, no, it's really not about the hour. It's really not about the time thing going out. What was it? Anybody remember? What's this? What is this? What's this representing about how Isaiah is working? Could it be that um, it's going very, very slowly? But no, it's not about that. Okay. But wasn't that Israel and then coming through one man? All nations would be yes. Blessed. Yes, the little teeny, the eyes, so, one grain at a time. Yes. So what this represents is that what we're using this as a metaphor is that Isaiah. Okay, as we look through the whole book of Isaiah, we see that up here we see all these people up here, which were the people called by God to be the nation of Israel, to be that light to the rest of the nations, right? And what we said, that's here. Okay, there's all, there's all those people. And what we said was what Isaiah, what's happening in Isaiah is we're finding out that those people are not doing justice and righteousness. We see that right at the beginning. What are they not doing? They're not doing justice and righteousness. Okay, they're not taking care and seeking justice and taking care of the, the ones who are oppressed. So God keeps warning them, keeps bringing judgment on them over and over again. It doesn't happen. And so what ends up happening? We have these servant songs. And these servant songs start out by saying, come on, Israel, wake up, hello, okay? Being prophetic, people still don't listen. And pretty soon the servant song becomes a servant, which is Isaiah 53, which becomes one person, and only one person, that's like represents here with just one person here, becomes the person who is going to say, I need to come to to forgive your iniquities, to, re to bring you back, okay, to restore that relationship with God. Why? <laughs> well, ultimately, so down here, after Christ, he was the servant, the servant, but he wasn't just a servant just to bring us forgiveness of sins. He was a servant so we could be what? Is what you just teach your kids last night? Slaves, slaves of Christ or servants of Christ. Okay, so because what He has done as a servant, we as believers are called to be His servants of the servant. Okay, you guys, remember that this discussion yes. we've been having over and over again, Isaiah. So in Isaiah fifty-six. So turn to Isaiah 56 is where we're going to end. In Isaiah 56, this is where we hear 
that the servant is going to say, I want all my servants <laughs> now to do something. All right? So it's now, ultimately, it, prophetically, we are now the servants of the servant. Okay? And it's being prophesied about us right here. So I want you to take a look at Isaiah 56. And just to show you at the bottom, on verse on 6, on verse 6 there, so those of you who have this, in verse 6, just to identify who's being spoken to in Isaiah 56, says, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, which is actually a relational term, which for us today would be those who believe in Christ and place their faith in Christ. We are now in relationship with Christ, right? We are joined to him, to minister him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. And then what does it look like to be his servant? It tells us in Isaiah 56, 1. It says, this is what it means to be servants. It says, thus says the Lord. Now, it's not God saying this anymore, or God judging them for not doing this. He's, he's saying now, as a servant of God, as a servant of Christ, you are all called, all of us, are called to what? Keep thus says the Lord. Keep justice, Keep justice and do righteousness. And again, when you read those two terms together, they basically always mean you are to help those. It's Isaiah 61. You are to help those who are oppressed, those who are the fatherless, those who are poor. Okay. For soon my salvation will come. Is that what we're all waiting for? <laughs> for him to come again? And my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast. Who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hands from doing evil. And evil, we just had read about, evil is when we don't do justice and righteousness. Okay. And then, I want you to turn to um, 310, the next page, verse um, 8. What? What, what? Chapter. Sorry. sorry. Chapter and verse, please. Isaiah, sorry. Same, same chapter. Thank you. Isaiah 56. I want you to turn to verse 8. And we're going to end with this. So, what you see there is it just simply says the Lord God. You guys see that? Mm -hmm. What it actually says in Hebrew is something that only occurs two times in all of Scripture. One other time is in Isaiah 1. Okay. I want you to notice, do any of you notice, remember how I told you about reading the word Lord? Remember that? All capitalized. That's right. Yahweh. What is all capitalized here? God. God. All right. So that means under the word God is the word Yahweh, all right? Because whenever something's in small caps like this, it's always Yahweh. What happens is, what this is actually saying is, is a declaration, this is what, how, how it's, it's hard to get this across, but in Hebrew, it is saying, this is a, what I'm going to say now, this is a declaration of not just Yahweh, but of Adonai Yahweh. It's only cursed twice in all of scripture. The way it's said is like this emphatically is it. This is what God's this is what God is declaring. 
<laughs> as loud as anything he can possibly declare is this. And I love what he declares. He says, I am a God who gathers the outcasts. It says Israel here, but just outcasts. Just think of our whole world today. I'm the one who gathers the outcasts. And he says, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Mm. This is God's heart mm. that us are helping to gather more of God's humanity, more of God's, more people to become his people. Mm. I mean, it's a great commission in essence right here. I mean, part of what God is, he's a gatherer. And it's like, I've created these people that exist today that we all interact with. I sustain those people. I want them to be in this relationship with me. And we, he wants, and he, what does God, what's he want more than anything else today? It says it right here. I want to gather all those outcasts. I want to gather as many people as I can before he comes again. And what do we as Christians want to be doing to help to gather more into his kingdom? That's, our, that's who we are as Christians, mm. as ones who go and proclaim this word. And I'll tell you what, just like we, we were talking about today, when we go to those who are oppressed in any form, those who are poor, those who are outcasts, and we raise them up, you want to know what they're going to ask? Who's God do you serve? Why do you do this? <laughs> and we bring them into that relationship with God. That's his heart, is that we gather more and more with him. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yes, Jason. I, I just a uh, question for the group. Have, um, I've been experiencing, like, you know, every, everything is just, feels as though it's speeding up dramatically. In my life, and I'm just wondering if you guys are in, in terms of, of this and what you just covered there. And are you in your 50s yet? <laughs> 53 yesterday. Yeah, during the So, um, it any, speeds up, bro. <laughs> well, I don't mean your mortality. You're uh, talking about really more your conviction? Well, after you hit 50, not, yeah, well, I'm not. I don't know if we're talking That's about you're, you're talking What are you asking us? <laughs> I'm talking about what, what, what we just covered there. Are you guys all experiencing um, opportunity to do God's work in that regard, to bring people to Christ, to share the gospel, to, in, to interact and interject in ways that are through the Spirit, throughout the day, with all sorts of different individuals in different situations, like, like, like crazy? Like... Is this happening to you guys? Yeah, because the enemy is unleashed. Yeah, it's and, and God's God's going, hey dude, whatever whatever illusion can that guy can send forward, just it's nothing. So I'm seeing the reaction to that. Yeah, yeah. In, there, in, my, there, in my life, yeah. and it's like wild. I'm just wondering if, you, if everyone else is feeling that too. I think there's a sense of a sense of urgency with all the things that have happened in the last few years that. But I think the urgency is, yeah, we want Christ to come, and yet evil is growing. But I think we, what I just read here is what God wants us to do as a result of that, mm -hmm. I would say, which is go out and start gathering. 
my harvest. Mm. Go out and be what I call you to be, which is to go out and proclaim the good news and bring more and more and more to me, to, to Christ. I mean, that's what he wants. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think along the lines of like Jason's saying, like one thing like the last few years made me realize is like, for like all these different reasons, all these different things could go away really quick and it could just be like someone's whim of like some person, oh yeah, we're going to take this away or that away. And it's like, and it makes me realize like, oh, why am I even wasting my time with this, yeah, this right. stuff? This is a, it's a total waste of my time. This yeah. might as well just, I just need to do what God tells me to do. And I think so many times, I know I have this problem, so many times we've sort of character, we characterized different people, we put them into buckets, we put them into political buckets, we put them into COVID buckets, we put them into all these buckets, and we can sometimes, by doing that, without realizing it, say, oh, those people are evil, those people are bad, and guess what? Then we don't go out and proclaim the gospel to them. Sure. You're doing the enemy's work. That's right. So it's like... How do we break down those walls and say, if you're a human being, <laughs> you are God's child, and he wants you to be in that relationship with him. Yeah. How do you, how do you go tr try to save the guy that just threw his dog out on the freeway going 80 miles an hour? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Right? Right. You, you, you do. <laughs> you do, right. You do. That's Because the, the, only hope, the only hope for them is the same the hope for the world. That's right. Which is Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and God knows that we're swimming against the current in yeah. these last days too. Yeah, because uh, the the scripture in Revelation says, as the lawlessness increases, the love of many will wax cold. So He's talking about the love, good love of many, the good folks. You're going to get discouraged. You're not going to help that person. You're not going to help the homeless person because you're afraid they're going to beat you up. That's you're fearing the lawlessness. Yeah. And that's, isn't it amazing that he knew that was going to be coming? Shows you that he's God. <laughs> Which is why, how many times does it speak of fear? Do not fear, right? There's only one thing. That, and therefore, the byproduct is that you don't fear anything else. Nothing. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to close in prayer. Um, and again, just to remind all of you, taking June 7th, um, and I, I've been doing lunch with a lot of you guys, so too, stuff. So one of the things that I'm hoping to do in the next few weeks, too, is connect with some of you guys, too. Um, haven't done that for, for some of you. haven't done that for a while. Um, but love to do. I will be around for lunch, coffee, whatever, and stuff like that, too. And I'll probably be around here more because of Jeff being gone. So I would love to do that with you guys. You know, these seasons of study, thank you for your commitment and what you bring to us and your fellowship with us, and your seeking us, and may God take hold of us, that we would have a heart to return that to you as well. Because you love on us in, in a really big way, Greg. We, we love you for it. We appreciate you. Thank you, Thank you Greg. Well, why don't we all do the... Um, let's do, why don't we do what is, to be as always, one of the most powerful, is the most powerful prayer of all, which is the Lord's Prayer, when we do that together. Okay. Because it's declaring exactly what we're saying. God's... Heaven, come to earth. His will be done. Give us just what we need today in the next 24 hours, and let me trust you for the next. You know, and, and just think of these words in here. Forgive us. Forgive others. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg.